and welcome to this week's edition of an organic conversation a show about food ecology stories from the land recipes nature sustainability interconnectedness relationships and life itself we have talked about biochemical individuality on this show a few times in the past a term that describes someone's preferences based on the physical and mental makeup and personal needs including gender age lifestyle and the personal digestive and genetic landscape. Today we want to match the topic of biochemical individuality with the world of nutrients, particularly vitamins and minerals. Our topic in this hour is vitamins and minerals. What do you need? We have a fantastic guest today with us, a holistic nutrition therapist who will join us today from Boulder, Colorado as we are shedding light on supplements and produce, vitamins and minerals, recommended dietary allowances, and so much more. Vitamins and minerals, what do you need here today on An Organic Conversation? I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Before we jump into the show, we always have the week's review. But this week, I wanted to just kind of push away any of the news articles or any of the, the newspaper clippings. <laughs> and I wanted to talk about something that has come up several times in the last few weeks for me. And that is flavor versus texture. Whenever I go work with a client, I always ask, if you had to choose one, what would it be, flavor versus texture? And I'm, we'll just start. We'll just go with produce, for of course. But <laughs> you know, the, I had an apple that I tried two weeks ago, and I bit into it, and I thought this is maybe one of the worst apples I've ever had. <laughs> and I said I wouldn't eat this apple. And then Earl and I got to into a discussion about how well maybe it's picked too early, maybe it's picked too green, maybe in two weeks when it's, it's ripened up, maybe it's a better apple. Fair enough. I just ate that apple again today, and it's still awful. <laughs> and it got me thinking that many of us, if we had the choice of flavor versus texture, what would we go with? And so my question to you, both of you, is where does your preference go? This is You actually this, like the apple on top of it all. Well, okay. So do you want to use this example? We'll use this example. So... Mark, you said this is a terrible apple. And when you said terrible apple, I had this whole image experience in my head of what it was going to taste like. Mm -hmm. Because a terrible apple to me is an apple that's mealy. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I decided, I want to see just because you the, actually the reason I wanted to try it was because I heard you talking to Earl and you said this is the pristine. And I thought, oh, I didn't get to try the pristine. Let me see what this tastes like. And I bit into it and the texture was crisp and juicy. <laughs> and it was just, it was as far as possible from the image that I had in my head mm -hmm. based on you saying, this is a terrible mm -hmm. apple. Mm -hmm. Because to me, a terrible apple is all about texture. And you're right, the flavor, it was not very sweet. It was not floral. It was, it was quite tart. And I thought, It's so refreshing, even though it doesn't have much sugar. It would make a great juicing apple. I had this wonderful experience with this wow. apple. And that's when you and I started talking about flavor and texture. And you said, well, you may be a texture person. That just may be more important to you. What's funny is that I am not. I am very, very, very much not a texture person. I'm a flavor person. And I didn't know this until I was having a conversation with a couple of friends, one of whom I had food conversations with all the time. And he was always talking about how it's about the texture. Oh, I can't eat that because of the texture. And I'm like, the flavor is so amazing. How is that not the most prominent experience? Why? And then another one of my friends has the same experience. So when they found each other, they were like kindred spirits. They could speak this language that I didn't understand because I can eat something that has no texture at all if the flavor is phenomenal. If it has a lot of dimension to it, I can't, I can't tell you. I mean, it's just for me, the flavor is the whole, it's the whole package. So when we had the, this apple... I understood what that other experience for somebody is like because the only place where I'm a texture person is with apples. Wow. How about you, Helga? Wow. I don't even know. Uh, I'm here, still here. Yes. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm still here. Helga Helberg. Thank you for that answer, Helga. Now, Sita, I went... <laughs> You, Helga, yeah. have a very specific a good topic, experience obviously. also. Yeah. Yeah. You have a very specific experience <laughs> with flavor and texture, not unlike mine. Uh, yes. For me, it all comes down to what I'm eating. Like, for example, a carrot. I would eat a decently flavored carrot if it's crunchy. It's almost impossible 
for me to find a carrot that is not crunchy, that has so much flavor, because the crunchiness is, you know, water leaving the carrot. So although in, in a way that might concentrate the flavor, some would say, but really it's, it's impossible when some produce items like carrots are not crunchy anymore, the flavor goes with it right away. Whether that's my subjective experience or that's true, I can't eat a, a carrot that is wobbly no matter how good it might taste mm -hmm. to me or to others. There are soft fruit, though, where I don't care almost at all about the texture. If I know in the world of plums, peaches, nectarines, there might be a preference, but if the flavor is not there, it doesn't matter if it's perfectly soft or a little crunchy, mm -hmm. or that's really all about flavor for me in that moment. So it really depends. And actually, now I see the common thread. I would say fruit has to be about flavor for me. Vegetables have to be about more about texture. How mm. interesting. Yeah, that's how I would gen generally categorize it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, Mark, it's your turn. Well, what is right, Mark? Who's Inquiring right? Inquiring well, minds there's, want to there's know. There's no one right here. We all. That's the beautiful thing is none of it. it no, it, you're the You enjoyed judge. that apple. And, I did. And, but is she right? You're the produce judge. That's right. That's <laughs> right. I'm judge. the produce judge, and, and we're all right. That's right. For me, it really is week to week because I actually, there are some varieties of carrots that aren't as crunchy as other carrots, and they have an amazing flavor. And it really comes, and I'm not trying to avoid the- Yeah, the, you, you're just no, adding no, nuance. No, I'm not. I'm adding nuance because, because like you, Helga, an Adriatic fig that is firm- is not going to have the flavor I want. But an Adriatic fig that that has that jelly-like oh. interior with the seeds bursting out that you just want to put in your mouth, now it's not about the texture. It is about the flavor. It's all of the mm. above. And I think that you can have different aspects of not just a vegetable. Because I've had peppers that have gotten a little soft, but their flavor is so fantastic that I'm willing to, I'm willing to do that. I'll just roast them up and actually deal with it. I'm going to say... It really comes down to each individual thing. And Cop each, out. And each, and <laughs> no, no, and each individual variety, because there's a variety of plum that I won't eat if it's, if it's, uh, even if it's just so sweet, because it's not giving me what I want for it. Mm. And other ones, so that's, no, it's not a cop out no, at all. I appreciate it. It's discerning. We, we don't like to say we're flavor snobs. We like to say we're discerning about flavor and, and texture. texture. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I do think there's a, Mark, there's a graph on flavor. Where is it, right? Uh, um, good, really good, exceptional, wonderful, whatever that may be. And there's a graph on texture. And so wherever those meet, it's really, I think, you know, it's okay to have something that is not perfect in flavor, but the texture is phenomenal. Or if it's really good in texture and the flavor is outstanding, that's, it's really kind of the partnership between the two. I think that makes, that makes a big difference. I'm still eating Gravenstein apples, and I, but I know when I bite in, it's not going to be the texture of two weeks ago. I know that I'm only looking for flavor now mm. because of just two weeks difference. And I'm willing to do that where normally I wouldn't do that. You I know? can't eat the grass now. Yeah. I mm -hmm. had one the other day mm -hmm. and I just said, no, mm -hmm. this, nope. this is not an apple to me. <laughs> but I like Helga's visual. I see this whole like Helberg correlation graph about Yes. Charting the we'll perfect put that up on facebook.com <laughs> forward slash inorganic conversation. The Halberg correlation. That's right. Wonderful. Great topic, Mark. Wow. So much to say. Flavor versus texture. Vitamins and minerals today in this hour. What do you need? We're looking at biochemical individuality, physical and mental makeup, personal needs, lifestyle, gender, age, and the personal digestive and genetic landscape with a wonderful guest. Vitamins and minerals. What do you need? That and more here on Organic Conversation in this hour. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be right back with so much more. Stay tuned. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit Earl's Organic. Com. 
Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards, Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helber. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Ronnie Palomar. That was a fun discussion, Mark. I appreciate you bringing that up. And it reminds me of, I was um, having a conversation with my sister recently. She came to visit. She lives in Florida. One of my sisters lives in Florida. She came to visit California. We were having lunch together. We were talking about this cauliflower soup. And it was, oh my gosh, what is that flavor? Is that thyme? Is, are they using fresh herbs? And there isn't actually any dairy in this, right? It was such an in-depth conversation about how the flavor and texture of the this soup was created and she's smiling and she says you know I don't I don't get to talk with anybody about food the way that I can talk with you about food and it really just showed me that and I said well how do other people talk about yeah. this soup and she said good. they would say this is good yeah and there's so much to be experienced in food when you have this interest in creating such a robust dialogue about it. I just really appreciate the the opportunity to explore that, Mark. I'm yeah, and it totally. doesn't. You mentioned the the word uh, what flavor snobs or something oh, be- yeah. before the break. <laughs> I think this is this is what will save this country. I don't mm. think there's anything snobby about discerning flavor and texture and understanding flavor and looking into our food and playing with, you know, what are your preferences, what are the nuances that you taste. We're paying attention, we as a country, are now starting to pay attention again to what is grown and and diversity and varieties and seasonality to a degree we maybe never have or we have not in the last few decades. And so I think this is so wonderful. And Mark, what you have brought over the years to the show to teach us this, it's, it's really a language. It's a whole window into a world of language and flavor and discernment that is so critical if we, if we want to grow a healthy food system. Grateful for that. And along those lines, how appropriate. <laughs> what a Quite segue. Quite the perfect segue. We are talking about vitamins and min- minerals in this hour, what you need with a wonderful guest. But before we dive into that topic, as always, every week, here's our very own Sita Rani Palomar, a.k.a. Chef Sita, and her holistic bite. Yes, it is the segue for this musing of a holistic bite. Actually, I've, I want to share something that I've been pondering these last couple of days. And that, it has to do with this one memorable sentence I read in a Janine Roth book, which was that the best bites of any dish are the first two or three bites. They're the ones that have the most flavor, have the most impact. And then the rest is just a continuation of what that initial experience was and and the importance of being present to those flavors instead of trying to make up for an experience that you weren't present for and over-consuming. And then the other part of the musing is that when we eat, if we are only breathing through our mouths, we're cutting off a really huge percentage of the flavor experience. It's important to take a minute to inhale through your nose when you're eating something because then you're engaging this whole set of, I think they're called olfactory senses. And we had a really phenomenal seminar, which we've talked about a couple of times recently. And and I I hope that's not tuning our own horn too much. It was just so wonderful to engage with all of these people who are so passionate about produce and food and flavor. And so we had 
Fran McManus of Understanding Flavor. On She's been a guest on the show. She came to the seminar and she did a whole workshop on taste and flavor. And she was explaining the difference between the two, how taste happens in your mouth via your taste buds, like the sweet, salty, sour, bitter. And then when you look into kind of Ayurvedic and other traditions, they add pungent, astringent, and even umami as the tastes. But then flavor happens through your mouth and your nose. It's the combination of the base taste, which I just covered, and the aromatic molecules. So if you're eating something and you're just breathing through your mouth while you're eating, you're missing that huge percentage via the aromatic molecules. You're missing the flavor, possibly. So I encourage you to, in those first two or three bites of any dish you take, while you're chewing, while you're enjoying them, Breathe through your nose and see what other experience you will have, what other flavors and just what else you can experience, what else you can sense, what else you can identify. And I would almost put money on the fact that it's going to blow you away. That's my holistic bite. Well, you know, two things came to me when you were just talking about that. One is that the first three bites are probably your most visually pleasing, Mm -hmm. right? You are now engaging another sense that is bringing you something to where you're paying more attention. After that, you're talking, Mm -hmm. you're putting bites in your mouth. So I can understand exactly what she's saying. And it's probably at its hottest. It's probably, I mean, there's several factors that are, that may bring that about. The second thing is Fran did a whole exercise about putting putting something in your mouth. It was a jelly bean. It was a jelly bean. And mm-hmm. hold, but before you bit, you held your nose closed just mm-hmm. to prove your point mm-hmm. and start chewing and see what kind of flavor you got. And then after you've chewed a little bit, open your nose and, and keep chewing and see what happens. And it was remarkable about how you could actually taste what you were chewing once you opened your nose. And I actually had this experience just the other night. I was having a Dutch cheese that I love. I know I love this cheese and I'm just used to eating it and it's delicious. And I'm, and I'm just thinking, oh my God, this doesn't taste like any other cheeses. This is so delightful. And then at some point, I closed my mouth and breathed through my nose. And that was the thing. It was the simultaneous, not just breathing through my nose while I'm chewing. I actually closed my mouth and just inhaled through my nose to experience the flavor. And I almost fell off my seat. Really, it was like, oh, that's what this tastes like. It was really, really phenomenal. Well, that's why most, you know, olive oil, professional olive oil tasters or wine tasters actually smell first. Mm. It's really wonderful to even separate the two. When you eat, definitely smell your food. But if you just take that 10 second and we talk about ceremony and really being present to your food anyway, you know, make it about that. If you don't, if you don't feel like praying or being grateful for your food and looking at your plate, inhale the fume, the scent of your dish first or of your soup. Just a couple deep breaths and it, it'll start the digestive work that is needed to digest that food. Uh, it, it, it starts that relationship. It starts uh, for your flavor buds to wake up. It's just, it's a really beautiful exercise. Well, and I don't know why this is coming to me right now, listening to both of you, but actually we had a show with Wendy Stragar. I knew you were going to say it. I was, <laughs> we had a moment. We had the same thought. And, and she was talking about how the smell of your partner mm-hmm. or the person that you're with their true smell, mm-hmm. not a mask smell, is what draws you to them or is the difference of having a successful relationship or not. The same is true for carrots, for carrot soup. And the <laughs> same is true for carrot soup. And I've had some recent experiences where I've been able to take, take in the scent of someone uh, close to me and go, oh my goodness, I am drawn to that. And let, unlike I've done before, just like you did with that cheese, mm-hmm. and actually wanted to actually be closer to that mm-hmm. person because of the scent there. And so it happens in many ways. Yes, Helga, I think it was the way you were talking about it. It just seemed very sensual. And it reminded me exactly of that episode, which was called Sense and Sensuality. Mm-hmm. I believe Sense and Sensuality, October of 2011, something like that. But um, fantastic episode. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you, Sita. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Sita. Thanks My so much. pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helga. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And our topic in this hour is vitamins and minerals. What do you need? With a fantastic guest joining us today, a holistic nutrition therapist. That and more in just a minute when we come back. Stay tuned. 
Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Spicely Organics offers more than 200 different organic spices and dried herbs to choose from. Classics like oregano and cumin, exotics like aji amarillo, and blends like tikka masala. Spicely helps nourish your body while embracing sustainable, eco-friendly, and ethical practices always. Take wellness into your own hands and creativity into your own kitchen. Spicely Organics, teas, spices, and dried herbs at your natural food store and online at Spicely.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. We have talked about biochemical individuality on the show a few times in the past, a term that describes someone's preferences, physical, mental makeup, personal needs, gender, age, lifestyle. Today, we want to talk about vitamins and minerals. What do you need in particular, we have a wonderful guest with us today, nutrition therapist and the instructor at Bowman College, Erin Livers. Are you with us, Erin? Yes, I am. You're joining us today from Boulder, Colorado. Thanks for making time for this important topic we're tackling. Yeah, thank you, Erin. Um, where the show idea came from was I was at a family gathering, and I happened to be sitting around the dinner table, and uh, I believe my brother-in-law said something like, well, of course, we all need to get more vitamin D now. And I thought, okay, where, where's that coming from? And then somebody else chimed in, and we all need more calcium. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm thinking... And we okay. all need more love. Yeah, yeah, and more, yeah, exactly, exactly. And and I'm and I'm thinking, and I just that, that just came up to me. I said, "How do how do you know what we need? How do I know what we need? How does any of us know what we need?" And it was just like then I came back to the team and said, "How do we know what we need? We need to do a show on this." Absolutely. So we we thought a good place to start is by looking at where we get the information that makes us think we know what we need. And it's kind of, in some ways, a one-size-fits-all recommendation because we understand vitamins and minerals based on what the USDA's recommended dietary allowances are, or RDAs. So can you tell us, from your perspective, what are the benefits and challenges of using the RDA as a guideline? The RDA guidelines, the recommended daily allowances, were set strictly on the basis of preventing deficiency diseases. And some examples of those are the deficiency caused by thiamine deficiency is called beriberi. Pellagra is a deficiency of niacin or B3. And rickets is a condition caused by vitamin D deficiency. So the RDAs were selected to prevent those deficiency diseases in the average human. Now, the problem with that is that what it doesn't recommend for us is the optimal daily allowance. Mm -hmm. In other words, the amount that we should be consuming of vitamins and minerals that allow a person to thrive and be healthy and not just survive to the point of preventing a deficiency disease. So be, before we move from there, I, I, I want to stay with that topic because berry, berry, and I know as a sailor, scurvy, right? Vitamin right. C, the connection, sailors for weeks on the ocean didn't get vitamin C and they got scurvy. And then somebody thought, okay, somehow lemons or limes, that's why they're called limeys, um, yes. professional sailors back then, 100 years ago. How old are the RDAs? If you really look at those diseases, most of them are no longer around. Science 
science has improved to survive those, you know, scurvy or old old time diseases? Why is the USDA holding on on recommended dietary allowances that seem to be outdated, or are they being adjusted over the last decades? Have they been? Well, the Food and Nutrition Board of the Institute of Medicine in kind of the 1997-2001 time frame replaced the previous RDAs and looked to update those and set something called the dietary reference intake. And the dietary reference intake is actually a set of four different reference values that includes the RDA, the recommended dietary allowance, and those were updated during that time frame, and so that's why we've seen a drastic increase in the RDA for vitamin D from 40 IUs to, I believe it went somewhere toward 800 IUs to 1,000 IUs from 40. But the RDAs themselves have not changed much, even with that revision, and they certainly are not being revised to address optimal daily allowance. They're still just the amount that is required to prevent a deficiency disease. Haven't I been hearing about people getting rickets again? I mean, is that where the whole vitamin D thing is coming from that maybe started this conversation at the family dinner mm-hmm. table? It's like... Not so much. What's interesting is that a lot of vitamin D research was starting to come out of Boston University, a man by the name of Dr. Michael Hollick, And one of the things that spurred him to further his research in the 1990s was zoo animals getting rickets. And so several different zoos had approached him because he was, you know, a foremost authority on vitamin D. And what was happening is they were putting them in glass enclosures and not allowing the animals adequate access to sunlight, and then the animals were getting rickets. So it was really just a matter of ensuring these animals had proper access to sunlight. And that even happened to the baby polar bears that were born in the late 1990s at the Denver Zoo, Klondike and Snow. Very very interesting. So, you know, we've got the RDA, we've got these new guidelines that you're talking about. Many people think that you can get all your vitamins and minerals if you just eat a good diet. And what about vitamins and minerals that you can't get from your food? For example, you know, if you're a vegetarian, there's certain things you're not getting from just eating vegetables or beans or things like that. Talk about that a little bit. True. I would say probably the only two nutrients that I know that we need to get from supplementation because of the the lack thereof in our food is your example of vegans or vegetarians who are not eating enough animal foods to get enough vitamin B12. And so then the vitamin B12 needs to be supplemented in that population because they're not eating enough of the food sources that contain that vitamin B12. Vitamin D would be the other. The only significant food source of vitamin D is cold water fish, specifically sardines, a little bit in some other in other foods, but sardines is certainly a very good source of vitamin D. But doubtful that even someone who ate a good amount of fish but wasn't getting into the sun would they would also not be able to get enough vitamin D. That simplifies things in so many ways. I'm really appreciative to know that you know the re- the big two that people struggle with with not getting out of their food are vitamin B12 and vitamin D because people are always throwing around these other vitamins and minerals and it makes it complicated for us to keep up with what we need for optimal nutrition. And of course, there are differences for everybody, which Helga was talking about at the beginning about biochemical individuality. And I mean, even so much as we record out of San Francisco, and I've heard that because of our particular angle to the sun here, we San Franciscans almost never get enough vitamin D. There's so much to consider when you look at when you look at diet and getting the right nutrients. Yes, and to go back to the point of biochemical individuality, there are certain genetic conditions that would cause someone to not get enough nutrients from their food. So there are actual um, genetic anomalies. One is based on an MTHFR gene, which some of us do not make enough of an enzyme to convert the folic acid in our diet 
into the active form of folate. And when that happens, even though we might be eating plenty of leafy green vegetables and getting enough folic acid, we don't make enough of the enzyme to convert that into the active form of folic acid or folate, and we might become deficient. So that genetic testing might be a way for, for someone to determine, did I inherit one or even both of those genes, and so do I need to supplement with a different type of folate in order to keep myself healthy? We're speaking with Erin Livers, nutrition therapist in her own practice, foodasmedicinecounseling.com, and also an instructor at Bowman College, one of our partners in this work. That's bowmancollege.org. Erin, before we move on to biochemical individuality and, and sure. go into that topic a little deeper, I want to come back to the previous point. You are basically saying that vitamin D and the uptake of that or the, the circumstances of somebody's lifestyle and B12 might be or are the only two nutrients that we need to pay attention to depending on our diets. What about the amount of soil nutrient depletion that we have seen? Over the last 40 or 50 years, agriculture has changed with the introduction of agrochemicals to basically introducing nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, NPK, to the soil to grow plants. We found right. that that would be enough. So the plant looks normal and, and somewhat healthy, and we can grow them with that, and yet the plant needs dozens of nutrients itself to, to be a healthy, perfect plant. So it takes out from the soil what is not being replaced year after year, leading to soil depletion of nutrients. And we've seen that throughout the U.S. In, in agricultural soils. If it's not in the soil, it's not in the plant. If it's not in the plant, it's not in the diet. When, we, when you say vitamins and nutrients and, and minerals are basically covered with the exception of those two through a healthy, produce-rich diet, How much do we need to pay attention to, to get produce from the healthiest soils possible? That is a, a very important point. And so we definitely need to be focusing on organic foods because they have, studies have shown that organic foods do contain more nutrients, more plant nutrients. And our organic farmers are taking much better care of the soil. So we are finding even higher amounts of minerals in organic fruits and vegetables. So that is one way to ensure that you're getting the maximum amount of minerals. Another way is, is we need to also be focusing on variety in our diets. So those of us who do not live along the coast, like you all do in San Francisco, those of us who live near Boulder in the center of the country, may not be focused as much on vegetables from the sea, which are very high in minerals. And so that would be a good way of supplementing our diet and supplementing our diet with food that's high in minerals. Yeah, we had a great episode a few weeks back on seaweed, and yes. our guests were saying that coastal Uh, populations are usually never deficient on iodine. And the moment you move inland, of course, you see iodine deficiency because it's even in the air. You will absorb it every day through the air if you don't eat sea vegetables, if you live in coastal areas. Not so if you're in, inland. So is that what you're, what you're referring to? Yes. And in addition to sea vegetables, then obviously organic plant foods, but Just the muscle meat from animals, bone broths, those are also going to be high in minerals, canned fish with bones, and we can't just ignore our herbs, herb teas, and spices as well. So even just taking mm. one of our daily cups of coffee and, and substituting an herb tea, an herb tea like nettles or horsetail that are high in minerals, could also just be something where we're adding more minerals to our diet. Yeah, amazing. And, and uh, you touched on the relationship between everything that's going on in the soil uh, for optimal nutrient uptake. Of course, there are a bunch of vitamins and minerals that can only be absorbed that way, and we are finding out more and more about that. We want to talk with you about that more after the break. We're speaking with Erin Livers, nutrition therapist and instructor at Bowman College, foodasmedicinecounseling.com, her website, who's joining us today from Boulder, Colorado, in this hour on vitamins and minerals, what do you need, looking at 
the biochemical individuality and what is provided through our diet and what may not be provided in our diet. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Aaron, stay with us. We'll take a super quick break and we'll be right back with more. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. Spicely Organics' emphasis has long been on the natural health benefits of organic spices, and now Spicely is excited to share more health benefits with the introduction of their hand-blended organic teas. Choose from black, green, white, mate, oolong, pu'er, and herbals blended with their signature spices like vanilla rooibos, sweet turmeric, and honey lavender. Spicely Organics, teas, spices, and dried herbs at your natural food store and online at Spicely.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Hallberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Vitamins and minerals. What do you need? A close-up look at nutritional profiles, the best diets, and biochemical individuality. We're speaking with Erin Livers, nutrition therapist and instructor at Bowman College. Her website is foodasmedicinecounseling.com. You know, Aaron, we were just talking about, you know, how do you know, you know, if you're going to get enough from the soil? We talked about eating organic food. We talked about um, eating more organic plants and vegetables and things like that. But it's my understanding that some vitamins and minerals can only be absorbed in relationship to other vitamins and minerals. How important is the right balance and what are some examples of that? The right balance is very important and there are many minerals that work in pairs, sodium and potassium Zinc and copper are a couple of those that are that are examples of minerals that work together and that we need to consume them in the right ratio. Typically, the natural foods that we consume do have these foods in the right ratio, and it's when we get away from whole foods and start eating more of a processed diet that we can easily get imbalanced. Well, and I know recently uh, a friend of mine was having leg cramps at night, and and they were told to um, ha- have more magnesium in their diet. And I said, "Well, are you also getting calcium?" Because I think that I I thought that they work together. And so you're, that's the same type of thing: is that you need to have these different minerals and vitamins together in order for them both to work at, at optimum levels. Typically, yes. Although when someone is experiencing a deficiency, say leg cramps at night, that is a sign of magnesium deficiency, it may be fine for them to short-term supplement magnesium and that will not imbalance their calcium Mm, and and Mm -hmm. magnesium balance within their body. Typically when we take supplements every day long-term, so if someone is going to supplement with a multi-mineral, for instance, and they're going to take that every day for a year, then it would be a good idea to have the calcium and the magnesium together. So we can look at supplementation as being short-term to possibly correct a deficiency, and oftentimes we don't get imbalanced with that short-term supplementation. But if we're doing long-term, um, maybe just preventive for our preventive health, and taking supplements that way, we need to make sure everything is in balance. And for that, I would re- always recommend a multi-mineral because so many minerals do partner together. Yeah, interesting. It reminds me of a study that I read years and years ago where people found, researchers found that you don't have to eat rice and beans together to create a perfect protein. As long as you eat enough amino acids throughout the week, your body will actually supplement out of its own body storage what is missing to make it complete is that right. what you're referring to we have we have more you know storage function than we we thought before 
Yes, so that is part of it. And also, there are certain nutrients that our population is more deficient in. The number one and number two deficiencies in this country right now are magnesium and zinc, and upwards of 80% of our population is magnesium and zinc deficient. Wow. And calcium, (laughs) not so much. We think about calcium a lot because it definitely gets recommended by um, even medical doctors wanting to prevent osteoporosis and osteopenia, but calcium alone by itself is not the answer, and there's many other minerals that go along with the calcium to ensure that that calcium gets into the bones. So if, if, <laughs> if many Americans are deficient in magnesium and zinc, what are just some common food ways that they could have more of that in their diet? Right. So zinc is high in red meat, seeds, split peas, sesame butter or sesame tahini is a very good example of something that's high in zinc. It's also high in magnesium. And magnesium is also highest in green leafy vegetables, but also nuts and seeds and beans. Mm -hmm. So you you are bringing up a really good point because there's this general debate about vitamins and minerals. Do they even work when taken out of the context of whole foods, right? There's whole foods-based supplementation where you say just eat more green vegetables if you need uh, more minerals in your diet or even more specific than that. And then there's also the, the research that we are now finding back to vitamin C, that there are hundreds of bioflavonoids needed for optimal absorption of vitamin C. So as research is looking closer into our foods and all the phytonutrients and, and the synergistic effects of, of, of what's going on, really the chemical reaction of what's going on in a whole food, we are trying to mimic that in a, in a supplement, maybe for minerals, because it's more concrete, uh, mm-hmm. maybe less so for vitamins. But what's your take on the, on the actual effect or efficiency of vitamin and mineral supplements in supplement form? I do think that there is a role for both. And for the majority of people, to make it simple, when they want to ensure against nutrient deficiencies and want to take, say, a multivitamin or a multivitamin multimineral, a whole food source is going to be best because we are looking at the synergism of all the phytonutrients and things that go along with that. Another key point is that supplements are just that. They are food supplements. So oftentimes when people skip a meal or don't eat regularly or don't eat enough food, Mm. then they feel like you know, the, the vitamin pill is going to be a safety net for them, but really it's a food supplement and it should be accompanying a, a whole foods diet with a variety of foods. Yeah, that's actually a great point. When, when I took minerals or vitamins or supplements of any kind in the past, I thought I'd do a good job eating them with a whole food meal. So basically I would just up the iron in my in my dish by you know taking some iron pills in addition or whatever it may be uh-huh. it, placing the supplement pill into the context of whole foods have you seen better results than not I have seen better results just in general health and then where the role of maybe a single nutrient comes in is someone who may be diagnosed with a zinc deficiency with a vitamin B12 deficiency. And then in those instances, we may want to boost that person's nutrient level to the point where using a single nutrient may help them achieve a state of balance. And I would simultaneous to that be working with them to change and improve their diet to ensure against future deficiency. We're speaking with Erin Livers, nutrition therapist and the instructor at Bowman College. That's bowmancollege.org, one of the leading holistic nutrition and culinary institutes in the country. Also, her website and her own practice is foodasmedicinecounseling.com. Erin, I I think what was um, something that you just said that really stuck out for me was about if you're doing a single supplementation with somebody, it's to get that particular person back into balance. And that brings us to what is kind of the heart of the whole conversation. And that's about each person's 
biochemical individuality. Everybody, it seems like, has a different, slightly different, or maybe less than slightly different need for vitamins and minerals. So what is the best way to determine how much you need? It's a good question. And I I would say from my observation of working in this field for quite some time, there's no there's no way of knowing exactly how much of a nutrient a particular person needs. There are some blood tests that can be done that can show if someone is deficient in certain nutrients, but that doesn't work for all nutrients. The way that, that I feel it's important is just based on observation. Based on the observation, does this person have healthy skin, healthy eyesight, There certainly are some indicators that people are deficient in certain nutrients. For instance, the white spots that appear sometimes on people's fingernails, that is indicative (laughs) of a zinc deficiency. I I actually had that as a note. I thought that was my smart moment. Some of us have these tiny little white spots halfway up the nail and you know people might not know what that is and it it is actually the body communicating, right? Exactly. And you're saying that I thought it's calcium, but it's actually zinc deficiency? Yes, it is. It can also be an injury to the nail, but when they're on multiple fingernails, that's certainly indicative of zinc deficiency. Whenever Amazing. I see those, my f- that's my cue that I need to put more tahini in my diet. Well, right. there you go. Exactly. Or stick your fingers in tahini. <laughs> um, uh, Aaron... So this is this is completely off the you know charts here as far as where I'm going. But I just started thinking about all the diseases that people have in our society that we just kind of assume are that that's what happened to them and that's where they go. And I'm wondering now when I'm listening to you and how that we're out of balance in some things or maybe out of balance in others, could diet really be playing a big role in in things like Alzheimer's? Parkinson's, cancer, all these major diseases that many people in America suffer from every day? Absolutely. And that's probably why I do what I do is I honestly believe that if we prioritize our health, and I believe it's possible to do this without overwhelming us time-wise and without breaking our bank, it's possible to take care of our holistic health, and a big piece of that is diet and prevent the more common 21st century diseases. Heart disease, diabetes being, and cancer being like number one, two, and three. They're certainly in the the top five. And we may focus so much of our attention on like a cure for cancer, but we already know how to prevent cancer in a lot of ways. And certainly a big part of that is diet. And it's so fascinating how, uh, you know, we, we say this, I feel so often on this show, um, from a symptom-based culture to a cause-based culture, we try to get rid of dandruff by using a more aggressive shampoo, when actually dandruff is the sign of some mineral or vitamin deficiency in the body. Yes, we we try We try to mask these symptoms of headaches or whatever it may be and not understand them as the body speaking to us. Do you have a couple more examples of of what you found where this was actually the key to to finding out what was wrong? Sure. So there are people who have red bumps on the back of their arms, possibly the front of their thighs, which again, we might try exfoliation or topical lotion or something like that, Mm -hmm. when that is caused by a vitamin A deficiency. And we can even go further upstream. I like to say that rather than putting a downstream Band-Aid on a problem, we need to keep looking upstream to find what is the cause. So it may be a vitamin A deficiency and adding more fat because vitamin A is a fat-soluble vitamin along with some orange and yellow, brightly colored vegetables that are high in beta-carotene and vitamin A. But what we also might find is that thyroid hormone is necessary for the conversion of beta-carotene to vitamin A. So we could also look and make sure that this person is adjusting their diet properly, but then we might also have some questions in terms of that person's 
health and are they capable of utilizing the nutrients that they're consuming. Yeah, and maybe in their household, you know, there's mold and mold maybe maybe blocking their uptake of a specific vitamin and mineral. I mean, that's why your title is holistic nutrition therapist, right? You really Absolutely. take the whole body, lifestyle, age, gender, everything, their their home situation, their relationship into into consideration when you look at complete health. Yes, and mold is a very popular topic these days. So I definitely have a lot of information on that as well. well we should have you back for a conversation yeah. on mold then. Amazing <laughs> conversation. Um, wow. Thank you so much, Erin, for your expertise and your time to shed some light of vitamins and minerals and supplementation. What do you need? Our topic in this hour. Erin Livers is joining us or has joined us today from Boulder, Colorado. Again, her website, foodasmedicinecounseling.com. Check it out. Thank you so much, Erin. A pleasure to have you. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me, and I will welcome another opportunity. As yes, will we. Soon. <laughs> Thank you, Erin. Wonderful. Take care. That expertise. I adore Erin. I've had the great pleasure of knowing and working with her for a handful of years through Bowman College, and I have just the utmost respect for her because she's so intelligent and she's so humble and she puts things together in a way that seems like magic, but honestly, it's science. And that's one thing that I appreciate about it is that she has such a holistic approach to something that is that, that is based in science. So it doesn't seem like she's excluding things that are really holistic therapies. It's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful combination of all of this wisdom. Yeah, it's science, but m met with common sense, right? Mm -hmm. Taking, yeah. I mean, if, if your household has mold, for example, and that has an effect on your health, the moment you move into a new place, your health profile, your needs will change. So really, we, we're moving through this life almost on a daily basis as new people. And we have mm. to look at the whole person in new circumstances with new relationships, with things we pick up and things we drop and new new apartments and whatever it may be, having children, not having children, getting less sleep. What does that mean to your vitamin D? So really following a person over the years and, and considering really the entire life, everything in it, it's just, it's amazing. I think that's such a beautiful, it's the only way it makes sense to make sure. I, just <laughs> I hear her speak, it's just... Yeah, that makes sense. I just had an insight. You know how people people talk about like, oh, he is the family doctor. Can you imagine if they said he is the family nutritionist? Mm -hmm. Yeah, since since our daughter was born or whatever, mm -hmm. maybe Something you like know, that, really yeah. from, from from the get go, if that's who you have. Yeah. Also, in in Asian cultures, you have a, a doctor that's with your family, and you only pay him um, you pay him when you don't get sick. The moment you get sick, he didn't do his job. Or her job. I have heard this before. Wow. You yeah. actually stop paying your doctor until you're better. Your doctor is to restore health, to bring health to your family, not disease. Mm. So beautiful change of mindsets of how we <laughs> see nutrition and produce and everything in between. <laughs> kind of like, kind of like we like to do every week. Change the mindset. Right? <laughs> that was wonderful. Great what suggestion. Thank you, Sita. Episode. I think it was your suggestion. No, it was Mark's. Too. It was Mark. It was from that conversation he had at but the dinner table. But having Aaron as a guest. Yes. Yeah. Aaron Thank Livers, you. I will take credit for that. <laughs> holistic nutrition therapist and instructor at Bowman College. Check it out both. BowmanCollege.org and FoodAsMedicineCounseling.com. So wonderful. We'll have her back. What a great episode. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helberg, Mark Mulcahy, and Sita Rani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye. Bye-bye.